0: Say what? Say what radio show with no agenda. It's always a surprise. But if we're not having fun, we're doing something wrong. And welcome And welcome to the Say What show. And as normal, Say What Show is starting off in a little bit of a rocky situation. Uh, Walt is not able to hear us, so I'm hoping that he's got something that he's doing. He is the computer guy, so I'm not going to worry about it much, but um, I'm hoping everybody's doing well out there. I've got Dolly Howard and Mona Radler who can hear (laughs) and speak. And I hope that they're uh, unmuted and can say hi to the audience. Dolly?
1: Hi to the audience. Thanks for being here.
0: Yes. Mona? Uh Uh-oh. Mona?
2: Oh, no. Did we lose her? No, I just can't rush.
0: Oh. Oh, okay.
1: Oh, I forgot she said what she was doing before she. Oh, left that's,
0: left. Right. that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, damn, that was fast. Yes.
3: <laughs>
0: that was less than a minute. Oh, oh, God. Anyway, Mona's here. Say hi to the audience, Mona. Audience. audience. We got that, right. got that echo
2: going
1: on. going on.
0: You got that what? Echo. echo oh, jeez.
3: Small,
0: small, small. small. You can hear me.
3: Okay.
0: Can hear uh, you. What what's happening now? I hear, I hear a little
1: a little, a little bit. bit.
3: Uh,
0: okay, I'm just all right. I'm just said we can't we hear you, but it's far away. It's okay. not a very. All right, there. He, Mark,
4: can you hear me on? Yeah,
0: yes. Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you guys fine. Oh my God! Say, yay! All right.
4: Well, this this thing did it again. The um Skype the Skype wanted to. Oh, we're busy now. We're upgrading you, so don't leave us alone. Don't bother us. I was oh. like, what now? <laughs> Always at
1: <laughs> an inopportune time. They do oh. that. <laughs> Hey, Jan's you're,
2: in the chat room. You're a marked man, Walt.
4: <laughs> Targeted individual. Targeted individual. Oh. Say it correctly, please. No, no.
2: Don't <laughs> push me to it. I ain't
0: happy. <laughs> Jan is in the, in the audience.
1: Yes. She says, hi, everyone. I just popped in to say hello from England. I'm still recovering from jet lag, but I wanted to connect across the miles and the time zones. It's 11 p.m. here. Ooh, that's oh, that's wow. late. I have to say I'm very admiring of people who listen in from the U.K. late in the evening. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So the, the little dog is okay?
1: Well, as
2: happy as could be.
0: Yeah, she made the trip fine, Walt. Um, oh. the, 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 the Jan got so lucky in that the people that took care of getting her there actually—it's—it was not an easy thing. You have to have like a certain inoculation twenty-four hours before they fly, and this thing and that thing, and going back and forth, and but this this guy that she got a hold of, he stepped her through everything you know arranged everything and then came and picked up uh, Keisha and drove her to California to the airport where only he he said that there was like three different planes that he trusted to you know really do this so what happened was that once she got on the plane he was with her got her through the customs got her on the plane when they get to the other side he's got a buddy that did the reverse he, she, he picked him up picked her up got her through the customs and then drove her right to where jan is with her or her uh, brother which was like a couple of hours from the airport so um and when I, I said i told her i said oh wait until you see keisha's face she's gonna be so happy to to see you and everything and jan said when she got out of the car she looked around at all these people and were like, oh, hi, how are you? How are you? You know, she said she didn't really look at me initially, you know, at all. So uh, apparently she had a, a a fine time getting there. And uh, and she's my, the reports I'm getting is that she gets a lot of walks <laughs> in a nice park. <laughs> so uh, and she's got a little doggy friend that, you know, they're they're learning to be friends.
3: Oh, wow.
1: But, already. Yeah, Aww. I was worrying about her.
0: Huh? Well, the um his her Mike uh, Jan's brother has got a little dog. Oh, yeah, yeah. She says she's lying next to me on the bed. Ah. <laughs> Hi, Ryan. Nice. How are you? Good to see you here. Yeah, he's one of those people out of England, listens to us late at night.
3: <laughs>
0: so, um. All right, so things, are, I mean, w- what would you guys like to, to, Dolly, do you have any kind of a list? I know you, you were looking at some stuff. She's supposed to tell me
2: the story of what happened when she made up the concoction for her surrogate son.
0: Oh, oh, God. That was, have you heard any more from Jake? Dolly? Are you muted?
3: Are you oh, weaponizing
0: preparation
1: thing! I was muted. I was talking to y'all um <laughs> he we made the concoction up. I had to get all the ingredients and stuff and and we found out we didn't have a blender anymore, so uh, we were Annette figured out we can use the uh an, an emulsifier. And she used that to get it all mixed up. And uh, we took it to him, left it hanging on his door handle because he didn't want the dogs to get all upset, and he was watching us on his camera. So he got it. But he didn't use it the first night. Now, the second night, uh, he decided he was going to use it because he was feeling so awful bad. He said he would have used anything at that point. Well, he he put it on his feet, and then he put uh, uh, wrapped it in the bandage, and then he put socks on, and then he put plastic bags over his feet. Okay, and then. As they were trying to sleep through the night, the smell was so bad that they had to get up and try to get the house aired out. Yeah. It gave them all terrible migraine-type headaches. That's and so they still, in the daytime, in the morning, they still hadn't gotten the house aired out, but I know he had it on all night because... uh. Of what he had said, I can't remember, that made me realize he had it on all night. Right. <laughs> and the poor people, his daughter, his son, his wife, and he, they all had the migraine headache. Um, but he said he had beautiful feet.
0: <laughs> okay, now to clarify for people that might not know what she's talking about. Her plumber, Jake, had gotten himself into some real crap stuff and came down with uh, some kind of probably a virus, I mean, a bacteria. Pneumonia and bacteria, yeah. And, well,
2: I guess he had his lungs cleaned out too, huh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's what I said because he walked back into the house with that stuff on him because he wasn't thinking hazmat. I know, so I know. His, I- whole, his whole family was probably the animals too were all. Subjugated to, for to this this terrible thing that he had gotten himself into, so sure, he probably sure. put the entire thing on his feet instead of putting a little layer of it.
3: Right, but right.
0: in the process, he gave everybody a treatment <laughs> in the house. He so probably is, he out, of is he out of the woods,
1: woods now. The woods he's now? Okay, he's now? okay now. No, he's no. still sick.
2: Yeah, well, I should that should have made more than one application, but that's all right. Whatever. Oh, I did. I made him a whole... We made him a whole mason jar of
1: it. Nice. So I hope (laughs) he's using it. Uh, No, he's not using it anymore since they all got so definitely head with it.
2: Yeah, but he could have... That headache and that could have been stuff that was coming up from what he brought into the house.
0: That's what I'm saying. To me, that was an indication of they were all detoxifying. Now, faster than... You like to because if you do it that fast, you're going to get headaches and and other, you know. But uh, yeah, you might want to give them a call and say, look, it. You need to keep, but a thin layer of it. <laughs> a thin, and I'm not sure about putting the plastic on it, uh, Mona. what, what no, that's what do you no, think? Huh?
2: It's good. It's good.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, because the plastic does have a, a, an effect. I mean, I use it for any Here, kind of polsters,
2: layering. layering. It. What it oh, is, what it is, is um, um the, plastic, the plastic, whatever's coming off, away from everything else, like its sheets and stuff like that, because it's drawing out the toxins, the onion and the garlic. So. They must eat a lot of prepackaged food if they can't handle garlic and onion and vinegar. But that's my opinion.
1: Well, that's a lot. It was a lot of garlic and onion and the vinegar wasn't so bad, but that was a lot of garlic and onion.
2: Well, when you got shit like that attacking your body, you better have a lot of garlic and onion. I mean, you know, like it's more than one application, but still you gotta have it save my butt tell you what garlic and onion perfect now, if you, if you
0: ever, have you ever used baking soda in a bathtub to pull out toxins
2: yeah boratine or borax 7 Bor-
0: yeah yeah oh, yeah um my brother had uh throat cancer and they gave him a whole bunch of radiation and he was feeling terrible after the treatments and I said to him well you might want to just take a a bath and you know the borax (laughs) you know I said borax the stuff that you you know has the the wagon on it (laughs) and Ronald Reagan used to be the guy that was their commercial man you know and um but my brothers never listened to me especially stuff that's woo-woo right so I said it but I didn't you know. well he calls me back a couple of days later and he said I did that and I got to tell you that i I really feel so much better for it it just it took out the the radiation out of his body I mean that's the way I read it so um you know if if he will still listen to you after what you've done to him already dolly. <laughs>
1: I know uh, that was bad.
2: No, you know, well, then it was generously good from the heart that will help him if he can accept
0: it. Yes. And everybody else in the house. <laughs> you know, I I think it could have been, you know, the other side saying, it's not just you dude, you just screwed everybody else, so let's, you know, get it out of them and yeah, they had uh, a headache, but that's an indication that you might be getting, you know, detoxified so and the concoction is one that that mona suggested was you know on the cosmic reality show we covered this but mona wasn't uh didn't listen to that show so i'm not i'm not saying you should have, i'm just making a comment here i'm not judgmental about you listening to our shows here <laughs> oh my goodness but um hopefully you know Hopefully, maybe he'll start it up again and do it right this time. And, well, and- he's been texting me. Uh,
1: yesterday, he texted a lot, and before he didn't say, didn't say anything. He was so sick he couldn't even text. So he said he he still feels like he he's on fire. His organs are on fire, and and he feels really bad. Um, but. I can tell he's feeling better just by him texting so much.
2: You can take Um, a tablespoon of that garlic and onion and make a tea out of it and drink it if you had the balls. Oh, Mona.
1: (laughs) I wouldn't have the balls to do that.
2: (laughs) Nobody uses garlic and onion? No, (laughs) not that much. Oh my gosh, two of the best godly healers on this planet. Besides honey. That's a lot.
3: Yeah,
0: that's another thing, honey.
2: Fungus, mold, presentary, um, and all kinds of things. Garlic and onion are godsend.
0: I use a lot of onion, but garlic, we weren't brought up with garlic. My mother didn't like it.
3: Oh. And
0: to this day, it's it's like... I can appreciate garlic but you know I it's like I, when Dolly was talking about you know taking the clothes apart to find out the whatever they call those things
3: They're
2: clothes I know it's cloves
0: clothes and clothes yeah. right and 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 I'm going like yeah I know what she's talking about a friend of mine actually threw the whole dang thing in thinking that that was it I forget I think she was making chili or something it was god awful and the the whole house smelled like garlic and what did you do well, it called for this thing, but I may have put too much in it. And I said, and I knew enough about it. I said, "Well, you only when they talk about a garlic, it's the, you know, and you no, know, she had thrown the whole thing. In. They
2: should say bulb. But then again, somebody would think the whole clove is a bulb. I mean, yeah. I get the drift. I get it, but nobody specified how to dictate the equivalents, but I meant what I said. The whole dang Well, not dang, because I don't want anything being derogatory. But yeah, the whole blessed thing. Because otherwise, I just don't want to hear people in pain or agony. That's why I got into herbal healing and all that. Because it was just like, why? Can't we figure out a way to avoid this? (laughs)
0: Because I don't
2: like to hear people's pain, you know?
0: Did Hmm? you get into it when you were young? Or was it after you got your kids and you started to... You know, really pay attention to reality. It or was that, with the yeah.
2: children when the children were with me when they said, You got to give this child this pink medicine to cure it. And I'm like, Oh, no, I got to figure out how it got there first and avoid the issue. And then <laughs> God or angels or my God, whatever, I'd be in a library and all of a sudden books would fall down at me. And they were herbal books and they were like, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like chamomile. Does anybody realize that chamomile will cure gangrene? That's how strong chamomile is. But do people think about it? No, they just want to take a rest. Just saying. (laughs) Sage, if anybody got cut and they can't stop bleeding, you put a piece of sage if you got live or powder. On that cut. And they'll stop bleeding. I mean there is so much first aid. With simple things that are in your cabinet. But people don't want to know. Because they're too damn lazy. They don't want to act. by With God and nature. Man's brought the. Remedy here. And it's all superficial. Synthetic. Artificial and harmful to you. Anyway.
1: Pardon me. Well, you I know, wasn't I... raised on, on the, uh, not the, the garlic. Oh, we, oh, my my family, I mean, the whole family, right. mothers, cousins, like that, didn't like garlic. So I was not raised on garlic. Like. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I don't think
2: it'll even stop a toothache. If you have a piece that you need because you have a toothache, it'll even stop the toothache. I mean, it's a miracle herb. It's full of antibiotics. What they used to do way back when they didn't have dish soap and all kinds of running water to clean out their wooden bowls that they use. They take garlic and crush it and swish it around in that bowl to stop any bacteria, fungus, or mold that would be growing on the wood that is how strong and powerful garlic is
3: well that's
0: really interesting
3: it is interesting well
0: you know my 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 feeling about the entire medical establishment from the pharmaceutical companies on up to the doctors is that we don't need any of them no because all we need to do is we need those people those surgeons who can fix a heart like they've done for dolly and uh, annette and so many others you know the, the technical things that they can do in medicine that are beneficial I mean when you break your leg garlic's not going to help much you've got to have that you if know.
2: you have anything exposed
0: <laughs> huh
2: it depends on if you have anything exposed
0: well well yes but I'm saying it's if you', an you an
2: an anesthetic, which An means it purifies and heals, so you can use garlic for anything.
0: Well, yes, but when you got a broken leg, you need somebody to set it, and garlic's not going to set your leg because you put the garlic on it. So you need a certain amount of skilled surgeons and practitioners. But the right, rest right. of them, you don't need any of them. What you need is somebody that understands herbal and other natural ways of healing and we already know that there's vast amount of, of information you were getting books falling on the floor in front of you
5: you
0: yeah, know so yeah. it's it's all there so people shouldn't you know feel like oh my god you know i don't want to go to i want i don't want to go to the hospital when we get through into the new reality oh for god's sakes
2: The dare dare
0: no no it's not I, it, it's a stupid thing um yeah. you know, but, but but the idea here is that once you get into the new reality insane people begin to uh make their, their I mean look at what's happened already. You had some of the most technically qualified, educated professional medical people who looked at things and saw that the pandemic was bullshit. What what did they fall back on? Did they run around and try to get the pharmaceutical companies to pay attention to this? No, they went to natural other alternatives. So you've got some of the, the, the so special doctors and nurses, the ones that you know, could look at the reality and not go along with it, you know, to, to say, no, wait a minute, I've got, I've got information that says, no, that's not true. And that they would listen to themselves, You know, reasonable, rational people. And where did they fall on back into? The alternatives. So you've got a lot of these very powerful people within the medical establishment as far as what healing is about. Let's say the healing establishment who have now already begun to understand this. So you you even have the people, is what I'm saying. Some of the people that were, you know, going along with things until it got... You know, obvious that something was drastically wrong, and those people are there to pick it up. The concept of energy healing is getting bigger. There's many more people that are into scalar energy, into you know, rife technology, into what you know Tesla was all into. I mean, this
2: should keep our mouths shut because they're killing us off because they don't want us helping others. Look what they did to Bichard. They just took him right out. He had healed his son from autism and vaccine, um, what do you call it, injury, from just changing the diet and seeing that glyphosate, fluoride, and something else were helping besides the mercury in the vaccine. That's what created his downfall. And then as he grew up and grew out of it, they were both doing karate together. They were healthy. They were happy. He helped his son and many other people that needed that assistance from getting away from the pharmaceutical that hurt him as a baby. You know, one day he was bright and sunny. The next day he was dark and cloudy just because of a shot. His mother got him, even though the father and her maid Agreements that they wouldn't take him inoculate the child because he was the oldest a child at that time. I mean, they took him out. He's gone. Really sad.
3: So.
0: so that's Dr. Bouchard's son, you say?
2: Yeah. I don't know. Didn't I share that video with you?
0: Maybe, but... <clears throat> Maybe I didn't see. I didn't see that. Well,
2: it was something I didn't know about him, because when the covid came out, he was out and telling everybody, look, you got to use your heart. You got to use your love. You got to use your mind. I mean, he didn't just do medicine, even though he was a medical doctor. And they don't want us to do that either. How dare you have love when all they want is hate and destruction? Hey Walt, can you can you speak a minute? I haven't heard you yet.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're interrupting yourself to listen to somebody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, like in Argentina, uh, are they into natural healing? I know, know your grandpa was it that was a psychic healer, but I mean, is the medical situation there worse or? about the same
4: or it is there more people are so brain uh they're so brain program is like uh uh, one of the one of my mother's three nephews the oldest one uh he's under he's 30 something and the the third child the wife was was gave birth to the third child and it turns out that before leaving the hospital, she was gonna get four inoculations, and she was scheduled to come back to get some more inoculations. So I, I said to my mother, "This woman is insane. This is a baby, and already you're filling it full of vaccines. Are they insane or what?"
2: Yeah, she's, well, that's normal.
4: She's, she she's in a she's not Catholic. She's a, a a vaccine freak. I mean, she didn't want the child. Going anywhere unless she gets all her vaccines. it's like, "Oh my god, this is this is worse than the people here in the U.S."
2: They're killing the future.
4: Yeah. Oh, well, there are people involved in in naturopathy and natural healings, yeah, but they're not the majority. The majority of the people are brainwashed by the medical establishment.
2: No, it's by the television.
4: Oh yeah, that that goes without saying. And movies and oh plus plus uh, everybody lives on their on on their phone, so they believe everything they see on the uh the, the, i, I I'm, they don't have a discernment as to what they're seeing on the internet they their belief system is that if it's on the internet, it's true, but it's like we're we're making the same mistake uh, uh with newspapers I remember when i when I went to Grammar school, and I was going to the second grade. The first thing the teachers taught us the, the day she gave class on newspapers, the first thing she she programmed into us, and, and I, it made sense to me, was she said, Newspapers are not documents. No newspaper is a document of anything, it's just a printed material, it's, it's just an advert. It is not a a a document. It's not a, you're not supposed to believe it. That it's a it's a carved in stone document, and I, and that made sense to me to hear that. But now it's like I paid, I, this this attitude that oh, it's in the newspaper. It's absolutely true. Oh, you can't doubt it. It's in the newspapers. It's like what? <laughs> it, it isn't true. It's just it's just altered information. It's been modified over and over and. And altered and it you can even trust look at look at um, uh, what he said this this uh, what the this woman this this one this man uh, Tucker the one that Nancy and andali follow Pearl uh, Tucker yeah uh, and he go he he actually spent a, a time uh, explaining like how uh, information is altered in such a way that something something may be true. But it's it's slanted in a certain way that you're meant to believe something different from what you're supposed to actually be. So as opposed to being uh, the the truth of something, it says uh, it's altered material. You know, it's like
2: those who want to say yes, you'll own nothing and be happy. <laughs> what the heck are you following these A-holes that are telling you that you're supposed to amount to squat and that you don't count?
4: Well, they they should uh, um, do a what do you call a, a fresh publishment of the, the of that movie,
3: 1984,
4: oh, because right. the the movie is I even though it was done in the 60s, that movie describes what they what they plan to do now. So, do you remember you know, the they,
2: book Future Shock? Did you ever read the book
4: Future Shock? Future uh, sounds familiar, but I don't know what uh which one it it's is. About
2: the same, I think the same writer wrote. 1884 or whatever it was. Oh. Or 19, whatever. But still, yeah. Orwellian crap. What the future's supposed to look like and how we're supposed to conform. Well,
4: well I they- do rem- I, I do remember What a Brave New World with Aldous Haxley. Remember that one? No, that's a classic. And it's like Dian- Dianetics. <laughs> <laughs> it
2: sounded really good, too. But then once you look to see how they
4: treated Scientology, sheesh. Oh, they are so paranoid uh, about controlling everybody. So it's incredible.
2: Yeah, but that wasn't that because he was um, playing around with Alex Der Crowley.
3: Oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of metaphysical going on that we should have been taught. And instead, we were denied it because it was all demonic and that, that they've been using the magic against us. Because that's all it is, is energies correlated to manifest certain conditions. And you're just there like a magician. People don't realize how much they manifest with just their thoughts and ideas and stuff. And, I mean, they've just denied us. And that's what I think pisses me off the most is... There's not been a level even playing field, really.
4: Well, when you go to a church and you're listening to a, a sermon, it, I mean, they, that's mind control, isn't it?
2: I like a good story. <laughs> I tell you what, I used to run out of a lot of churches because as soon as I felt the energies and the one time I walked into one and I was a child and I heard tongues. I about threw up and had to leave. I mean, I don't know how many churches I had to get out of because <laughs> physically they actually hurt
6: me. <clears throat>
0: um. Oh, I know that feeling. I, I was with some friends and we went to a Greek festival type of thing, just a local thing. And in this school and stuff, they had this chapel, a Greek Orthodox I believe. And there was all sorts of different symbols in there statues and all this stuff so I I followed them into the to the church and as soon as I started going through the door I hesitated and then I looked around and I said I can't do this I can't go in there and it was just like there was no way I mean you would have had to kick dragging I would have been screaming no don't take me in there it was just like and, and I was kind of like they, they, were, they were like, oh, okay, fine, you know. But it was like, gee, I'm sorry I can't do this, but I just can't. I like to honor other people's cultures and, you know, what they think about. But no, 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 no. There was something in there that was just not good. Right. So I understand what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, you just want to run the other way.
0: I mean, but thinking about back on my, you know, experiences with churches, other than the, the uh in in my hometown we had the catholic church uh congregation church and i guess it was a baptist or episcopal i think it was Bapt. i think maybe it's Episcopal, one of the two so we only had three different churches and i'd been in all of them because at the congregation the church they used to have dances
2: mm-hmm. and
0: in the um
2: but not at the baptist church cuz that was the no no you weren't allowed to dance in baptist
0: church <laughs> that's that's probably true but in the episcopal church or I, which i think it was versus i don't know but the other church there we had um classes it was like the campfire girls i think it was the campfire girls um we went over there and learned <laughs> learned how to put silverware, how you put the silverware, what you do, all this stuff that like, I mean, I've never needed to know, except that I was a waitress, but you know, it was just one of those very girly things. And I don't think that I would even remember it, except that there was a Facebook group that came on of when we were having our 50th uh, class reunion type thing. And one of the pictures was of this campfire group at that church. And there I was in it. And it was like, oh, oh my God. You know, all of a sudden, the memories came back to me. And it was like strange memories, you know, like, oh, yeah, the fork's got to go there and the spoon's got to go there. And did it. You know, it's like nuts. (laughs) Oh, the things they tried to teach us.
2: (laughs) Get a As I did when I was a Girl Scout at my Protestant church.
0: <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, yeah, you know, and, and, and that was such a, a, a strange kind of thing to be. It, because the people that were going to the congregational churches were my friends. Right. And the Catholic Church was telling me they were damned and would go to hell because they didn't believe in in Catholicism, even though they were Christians, no yeah, you were still being told well, if you're not it's not, you're just not christian you're you have to be Catholic. I mean that was the indoctrination from that church at that time uh, <laughs> and I just couldn't understand it. I think that might have been now that I think back on it the formulation inside of me of you know everything you hear is not the truth, right, you know because I had i I these were my friends and you're telling me they're damned because they don't believe in the Catholic Church even though they're Christians I don't think I took it that far at that time but it was like how can you see, say these people these are the nicest people I don't like the Catholics
2: <laughs> but not all Christians are real Christians either right to, to know the story about between the base time and the Christian time when they had to hide underground to survive I mean Boy, we've all been set against our own natures that we just don't count. I don't like that idea, because I think everybody counts, one way or another.
0: Well, I can only speak for the Catholic Church, but the Catholic Church, they're insane. Yeah, but Uh, I think each um,
2: each one would be different depending on the congregation, plus... The building area, because the land has a lot to do with the energies that they utilize and the um, other people that are there. Come on, the dukes, the whatevers. But then again, wasn't it the Pope and the Catholics who um, did the, all that whole country of people in because they said they were all
0: uh, Armageddon? No, it wasn't Armageddon. What was the, it? The Cathars. It was the Cathars. Um, the area began with an A, but it was a group of of Christians who believe, really understood Christ's teachings, which were metaphysical. right? You know and, and well, this really came back to me. I was watching of uh, the Fox, the Fox Network, and they did a segment where this woman was about to be interviewed by some reporter. And as she introduced herself, there was all these rifle shots. I mean, loud. And so, you know, the, the, the two of them ducked down. You could see the cameraman did, too, because the picture was all skewed, but the, the audio was still there. And her reaction was, oh, the blood of Jesus, bring the blood of Jesus all over me so that I'm protected. And she was saying all this stuff about the blood of Jesus while she was in a state of absolute panic. And I was like, oh my God, that's just terrible. That the that your religion has taught you that the secret of the religion was that Christ shed his blood for your sins. The imaging, the, the you know, I mean I don't know that Jesus Christ would be very happy to see himself being, you know, put on a cross that you know is not even the right cross. <laughs> It's the cross that that they have depicted isn't the cross that was used. They used crossbeams. Long story, but there's no way you could put somebody up on something like that and, and and afford to do it for how many people that they had that they were crucifying. They were crucifying thousands. It's not just a few. It was terrible, absolutely terrible, but you know this idea that that's the that's what you took away from your religion you know i can understand saying oh jesus help me but the, she kept she must have said blood a, a half a dozen times it was freaky it was very strange <laughs> but um one of the things that i I came across, well, doesn't that I,
4: make you think of the, sorry to interrupt, but doesn't no, that I, make you think of the Hazarians and their blood cult? Yes. How they feed on human blood? Yes. yes. The dream is as much, no? <laughs>
2: I bet Dolly's got a few Catholic stories too.
0: She wasn't Catholic. Wasn't she? No. Oh.
1: Anytime I would go in a Catholic church, I would faint. Oh. I, think, I think it was from the incense. Oh, frankincense and myrrh. Yeah, my mother hated that, too. But- I was a little girl, and and my neighbors took me to their Catholic church, and we were standing there singing, and the next thing I knew, I was laying out in their car. Whoa. I said, what happened? They said, you fainted. <laughs> so I didn't... I don't go into Catholic churches all that much, but mm-hmm. then I was raised in the church I was raised with the blood of jesus um i I thoroughly, completely believed what I was being taught, right. even though I would question um every once. T- well, it well, wasn't the Bible written by a bunch of men and <laughs> translated several times. and uh, But yet, I believe that what the Bible says, and mostly, I believe, is true, but yet at the same time, I can read some scriptures and, and I question them. So um, I don't know how to explain that to anybody other than I sincerely believe in Jesus, that he was the son of God, and um, I thank him for dying for us on the cross. And, And it always bothered me that mostly I would see it connected with Catholic, where they always leave Jesus on the cross. They never take him down from the cross. And I thought, why, why? Uh, in our churches, we had the cross, the wrong one, uh, but we had it, but it didn't have Jesus still hanging on it. And so I appreciated that. I just always questioned when when I was being taught like in Sunday school or or the uh, preacher was preaching things I always questioned and they didn't like that I eventually <laughs> ended up being uh, you, you don't need to come back to church anymore Dolly you ask too many questions you're supposed to just do what we say without questioning and I say why <laughs> Good girl so I I believe I have my faith and okay. it's my faith I don't take it to church where they want all your monies oh you got you gotta donate to this you gotta donate to to uh that you gotta oh we need money for this and absolutely put money in the uh, the tray they pass around every time you go to church and and I I would ask who gets this money? And they'd say, Well, we're paying for the church building and the electricity to run it and the water bill. And they would give me all the. I say, Who gets leftovers? And they never would answer that. Hmm. So I have my issues um, you with have the too church. Many yeah, I, I have too many questions for <laughs> the church to be happy with me going. Um, <laughs> but. The the one that I want to please is God, and uh, that brings me to I was going to ask y'all, do you know what God's real, real last name is? <laughs> do you know what his real first name is?
4: You're talking about uh, Jesus Christ, or you're going to God. You're talking about I'm
1: talking about God?
4: God, the uh, the one creator of the universe, or you're talking yeah. about the, the individual that was. The one creator of the universe. I don't why would it have? What the, it, why would it have a name if it? If it. He owns has a everything? name.
1: It's I am. Oh. oh. But we each have I am. Yeah, we eat, we are all. It, we are part of I am, That's who right. is the creator. So we also, our true names are I am. When I learned that, I was all excited. That was a long time ago. I I learned that. There was even a movie made where this guy was uh, amongst the, the monks. He was trying to do something with them, maybe become a part. I can't remember the whole thing. But he had, the monks were all sitting in a circle. He had to go up to this altar place and they asked him, what is God's true name? And and they made it all dramatic, and they they made, made it wait some time. And he finally turned to them and said, I am. And and he was welcomed with open arms. And that just kind of tickled me. I thought, wow, they're, they're even putting that in the movies, which I thought was great. Um, But I I have my religion, and nobody's going to sway me from believing in uh, my creator the way I believe, because it feels right inside of me. My soul feels good.
2: You are your true, authentic self. We appreciate that, because a lot of people don't know how. But you've made your way blazing your trail being that way and that is yes. something to be commended for and especially when you stood up against the tall man or whatever he was the dark man
1: oh, oh yeah <laughs> that that was that was a scary situation and i don't usually get scared um, because I have my angels all around me who come, mm-hmm. use this as a flophouse and all that stuff. And I know God's with me all the time in spirit. And uh, But when that guy came in, I got goosebumps again. My hairs are standing up. That, that dude frightened me because I realized he was after my soul. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to get my soul at, at any cost to me. He would not get my soul. So I wondered, is that, was I being tested? Why yeah. was that dude allowed to come to me?
2: Well, because it was time to be tested. Oh. Well, I think I passed it. I think you did, too. <laughs> Then you taught something hopefully to others around, them because yeah. Yeah. made them alert. Yeah, because yeah. that isn't. Yeah. Aren't they supposed to tempt us anyway? You know, and they know how strong you are. Once you turn on the light, the bugs all fly around, and that was just a pretty big bug. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Even over furniture that, ha ha ha, over furniture, you better sage down that kid's furniture <laughs> yeah, that was for sale, yeah.
1: he got it, he gets furniture off of the trucks that have
2: things uh, impairments, yeah,
1: they and you don't you don't have any idea where all these um. Uh, supplies come from that he sells. Right. So they, I'm sure they have attachments to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I should tell him, you really should sage every load that you get. And if you can't do the
2: smoke, you can do a spritz. Oh, yeah. I mean, even just thinking about it would help, but still be more aware. I mean, yeah, when I yeah. told this RN, have you not ever saw when somebody passed the soul leave the body, and she's like, "No, it wouldn't happen. I'm like, on you the what but that was the way she was brought up, but not knowing, right. but I'm like, "You're in a hospital, death happens here all the time. Is anybody helping these souls when they're part leaving you know yeah,
1: that's that's a good a good pointer outer thing, Mona, because There really aren't people who are assigned to helping those who cross over to cross over.
2: Can you imagine how many are pissed off by knowing that they've been murdered by this COVID-19?
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's sad.
2: That's what leaves the door open, though, for these big bugs to come through. Go ahead, News.
0: There's a a new TV, well, I don't know if it's new, but it's a TV show that I believe is on travel. uh, 9-11. It's called 9-11 Paranormal. And it is fascinating because they're, they're looking at people who are in either police officers, firemen, emergency people, who are confronting different situations that are paranormal. And you know what happens to the it's it's fascinating wow. <clears throat> excuse me and the one the, I, the reason i thought about it was because of what you guys were just saying now this par, this paramedic it was a guy and a girl and they get a call and somebody's apparently overdosed and they get there and find out that he he's he's deceased but they still go through the routine of putting the giving him heart compression and putting the oxygen on him. And, you know, no, no, we're not going to, this guy is gone probably for hours. And so that's, that's the scenario. But what happened was that when the paramedic went over and touched him to see if he had a pulse in his neck, all of a sudden the paramedic said that he felt like an energy force on his, his neck and his shoulder and it creeped him out but these people are why i like this show is that they're stupid they can't <laughs> <coughs> they're 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 seeing stuff that is beyond the, the pale and still they proceed to just you know fluff it off because let me tell you the rest of the story so but he goes through when he finds out and he does the cardiac you know trying to get him going again and um you know so they know he's dead so they put him on the truck and they take him to the morgue and they put him in the morgue and all of a sudden he's like feeling that same energy and he turned around and here's the dead guy standing beside him <laughs> right now you think you would think this would have gotten his attention right yeah. but he's like he's like you know I suspect in his mind he went, I don't believe this, or this isn't real, or something. And the guy disappeared. So then he leaves the morgue, and he says to his partner, he says, um, but she was there when this was happening. He says to her, I've got to call my wife. Because he said, off camera, I mean, you know, talking about it, he said that these things, he said, we confront them all the time, and sometimes I just need to ground out by talking to my wife. And get myself centered again. And so he had gone off by himself to make a call to his wife. So he's by himself and he starts walking up towards the front of the hospital. And there's a chapel. And as he nears the chapel, he hears this angry, angry voice in there. And so he he opens up the door and he doesn't see anybody but he can still hear the voice. And so he says... Can I help you? (laughs) See what I mean? Stupid. It's like, can I help you? Or, you know, do you need help? And then all of a sudden, he got a, he actually got a physical, you know, repulsion, energy-wise. And there's the guy again. And at this point, he's like, oh, shit, shit, I'm getting out of here. And he leaves, you know, because he doesn't know what to do. So he goes to back to the ambulance and he gets in the ambulance and the partner there looks at him and says, are you all right? You know, what's the problem here? And he's going like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And he's denying what just happened to him. And then all of a sudden in the back of the ambulance, things started flying around. There was crashing all over the place and she sees it. Right. <laughs> and she's going what the hell you know and so they both get out of the out of the truck and they go over and they open up the doors and is all this stuff just whizzing around in there and they slam the doors and he says I gotta tell you what I've been saying and he proceeds to tell her what has happened to him and she's now terrified and she says we gotta pray we gotta pray so they they held each other's hands and they began to pray And after a few prayers, the energy dissipated. And he said that this changed him forever because he's never had that kind of experience again. But he did realize that there was uh, another aspect to our existence. And he said that now when he's got an energy situation where somebody has just died, he's, he's trying to help them. In recognizing that I might have an incarnate soul that's still locked with his body, you know, and so he didn't get into any specifications as to what he does, but you know, he said that that he's got a new perspective and he tries to help them pass huh. over. Got a
2: state love and no fear, basically.
0: Oh God, this this was, and and it's another story that they had was uh, this police officer. Oh, God, this guy was in jail. He was in a jail cell. And in it, the, there was one guard there, and the guy is screaming and hollering. And he's got, somehow or another, he's got a razor blade. And he be, proceeds to cut himself to the point that he dies. He bleeds out. But the whole time he's doing this, he's going, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And they can't, because of regulations, open up that uh, cell because they need backup. And so they they can't even help the guy, and plus the fact they don't know he's yelling. It's like he's yelling at somebody. So <laughs> this this one police officer, he, he I can't I I think I spaced out a little bit because I'm not sure why he decided that he had to go into the basement to confront whatever was this energy was, but he went down there. the, the he got a blow to his chest. Then he got three scratches on his arms. He Mm -hmm. stumbles the stairs. He goes to the infirmary, gets fixed up, doesn't tell him what had happened. And then he says, and then I decided, no, I wasn't finished with him. And he went back down there and the the entity almost beat him to death. He had broken ribs and, and all sorts of things happened to him. And uh he he said of his, his his what what he got out of his experience he said I became a very humble man.
2: There you there you dude.
0: <laughs> you know, he said I now I but know they, But they they <laughs> film all this thing as it's going on? No, no, they re- reenact it. Oh, okay. No, they reenact it. Oh, every—I mean, I could—I could spend the next hour probably telling you—and I've only seen three episodes.
1: What it's, is the name of the show?
0: It's either Paranormal Nine One One. It's on the Travel Station. Tra- travel oh, okay.
3: Station, oh, or
0: Nine One One Paranormal, but I think it's Paranormal Nine One One. And uh,
4: you, the, it, the story that you told reminds me of what happened to um, uh, Brett Hudson remember he was our, a guest of ours years ago in, in in the cosmic reality show He's a he's the one that he does shamanic work and he goes around you know for that uh, that kind of issue and he had um, uh, he, he did a video because he visited the house of Lizzie remember that historical character Lizzie Borden I think it was the woman who killed her parents with a hatchet. Lizzie Borden. Uh, When he he the the place is it's now um, it's a touristy place. People go visit there for for the bad you know very bad uh, fame that you know she killed her parents and her father and her uh, stepmother. And uh, when he went through the entire place, he found that there was a a demon in the in, in the basement. So I re- I remember that part of the town. he he actually had to confront this this entity in the basement of that house.
3: I'm telling who, you. Who, who did that? Walt? Uh
4: remember Brad Hudson he the he's a the, the big portly fellow he he was uh, he 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 did one show when he was a guest and uh, he had uh, I, I remember you you tried um, if he could perceive uh, Dave's presence uh, because he did shamanic work and he he done he's done a lot of uh, uh, what do you call it the entity releasement type of deal. He does all this kind of work for oh, people. I don't he,
1: remember he, that. Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> his 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 name is Brad Hudson, and uh-huh. then and I remember the uh, what do you call? I saw the video that he did where he visited the house of Lizzie Borden and he found that there was a uh, demonic entity. How, but it was interesting because it was only, only uh, present in the basement of the house. It's, uh, it's, it's one of these houses where the basement doesn't have like a, your standard cement uh, concrete walls. It's, it's all, it's, it's uh, dug into the ground a very dirt, old house. Dirt basement, uh-huh. yeah. Exactly, huh?
1: I don't remember him. Bummer.
0: Okay, so um it's the top of the hour here, so let's take a break.
6: Let me take a moment to say thank you to the lovely people who make distribution of this podcast possible. Mysticalwares.com in Mount Vernon, Washington, dedicated to exploring both the known and the unknown then helping provide the products and tools to expand your reach mystical wares mount vernon washington if you are experiencing spiritual stasis head to mystical wares in mount vernon because it is a metaphysical oasis and they are actually lovely people and they really do have a huge inventory so get yourselves up there and if you don't want to drive all the way go ahead and visit them on their dot com I am Ani mad as the day is long, Avedisian. Stand up and claim your sovereignty. We are divine beings, not disposable commodities. Don't drink cheap booze. Remain alert and amused, but above all, my darlings, let the spirit inhabit the
0: human. And welcome back to the Say What Show. It's May 27th, 2023, and I have air traffic over me, I wonder if they... No, they must have stopped by now. Over in Miami Beach, they were having a, um, an air and Navy show, and it, it, you know, celebrating Memorial Day in the United States, and Memorial Day is sometimes confused with Veterans Day, because on Veterans Day, in, I think in November, it's to honor everybody that served in the military, but on Memorial Day it's to remember the people that gave their lives in order for us to be free. And it's, a, to me, one of the more sacred days that we should be acknowledging. And I don't like to say, uh, you know, Happy Memorial Day, because that's kind of s- stupid. I want to say to people out there, you know, give thanks. Give thanks for the people that went a bit above the above the others that you know just ignored the the war around them they took it on and they won and we're gonna win again anyway so that was the first hour that i didn't anticipate because i've got a 30 minute uh tape and it's um russell Targ, russell he's a man who he's gonna tell you the story But he's the one that has been out there for a while, really being promoting the history of remote viewing and how it came about what it is. And I think because we reference remote viewing all the time, I thought it was uh, well worth the 30 minutes. So I'm just going to go find out where I put it and uh, play it. Anybody want to say anything before this? I hear silence, so I guess not. Here we go. We're here to enter this next wonderful reality, and the most controversial of the people is our next speaker, an old, old friend of mine. And it shocked me that they found anything to object to. This is a hardcore scientist. So my very, very good friend, Russell Targ.
5: Well, I'm very happy to be here. My name is Russell Targ, and I'm a physicist and it's my great pleasure to tell you about the remarkable work we did at Stanford Research Institute investigating psychic abilities. We did that for the CIA, Defense Intelligence Agency, NASA, and many, many other intelligence agencies, part of the U.S. government intelligence system. I got into all this as a childhood magician, standing on the stage in New York doing mental magic. And I had the experience from time to time of having a direct perception of something in the life stream of the person whose mind I was pretending to read or whose fortune I was pretending to tell. So I was not a real psychic. I was just a kid doing magic. But I've now talked to people like Kreskin and Melbourne Christopher and they said, oh, yes, every professional magician knows that from time to time you're given some material and you can then supplement your magic trick with whatever ESP comes to you. And there are many magicians who do that, as we know. But I was not doing magic for the CIA. As As we know, the CIA is not easily amused and we were trying to do the real thing for them. The work we did at SRI involved things like finding a downed Russian airplane in North Africa with code books on it, locating a kidnapped American general in Northern Italy, looking into a Soviet weapons factory in uh, Soviet Siberia, describing the construction of a huge Soviet submarine in Northern Russia, and we even looked at on a, so, on a Chinese atomic bomb test three days before it was scheduled to go off and described correctly that it was going to fail so we did quite a lot of useful things for the government during our 23 year program the ability we're talking about is a natural psychic ability that we all have in spite of what you may have heard to the contrary people can quiet their mind and describe and experience what's happening in a distant place or in the future. And this has been talked about for thousands of years. Buddhists Buddhists have a vast lore about what this is and how to do it and why it's desirable. And I'll try and talk about that later. The ability allows you to quiet your mind and describe and experience what's happening in the future. And you can do that independent of the distance. The most interesting thing that we found as physicists is that it's no harder to describe what's happening in Soviet Siberia 6,000 miles away than it is for you to describe the funny object I have in my pocket. 6,000 miles away does not decrease the accuracy or the reliability as compared with something nearby. Looking into the distance is no harder than looking at a contemporaneous event and that's why this is called a non-local perception. Not quantum mechanical, particularly. It pertains to the fact that we live in a non-local space-time described scientifically most recently by Schrodinger in the 1920s and then proved in the 1970s and 1980s. So the idea of non-local connections is not new age. This is accepted in the physical community. The hottest topic in modern physics is exploring non-locality. It was described originally by the Buddhists 2,000 years ago, but modern physics has finally caught up. The leaders of the program that we had at SRI are all physicists. The physicists are taking over what used to be called parapsychology. Uh, the three leaders of the program were myself and Ed and Hal Putoff, who are both laser physicists, and Ed May, who is a nuclear physicist. And we were eager that our scientific friends would not think that we'd gone off the rails into ESP research. So we made sure that we published everything we did, all of our experiments, in the world's most prestigious journals, where we would normally publish our science. So we published our work in the proceedings of the Institute of Electrical Engineers, the uh, American Association for the Advancement of Science, the American Institute of Physics, and Nature magazine. So this is not, um, I just want to emphasize that at the time we were doing this work, this was mainstream, written up in the New York Times, published in the premier journals uh, in the world. And I want to give you an idea of where I was when this all began. In the 1960s, I was a hardcore laser guy, and here I'm standing in front of a thousand watt carbon dioxide laser. At my most mavericky self, I'm trying to convince the government that I indeed had a thousand watts coming out of this one meter package. And you see, I've got a little meter bar there. Government thought it's impossible because their lasers were a hundred times bigger than mine. So I had a thousand watts over something a meter long. They thought that is impossible. So it's like a reprise of what I was going to do. Ten years later, trying to convince the government that some other impossible thing actually happened. So in this case, the idea is that I have a big fire brick. I'm going to drill a hole right through it, and then hand the skeptical government scientist this big grip brick with a red hot hole right drilled through it, and I'll ask him, "Do you want fries with that?" Or. <laughs> And eventually, they supported our program. They couldn't deny the firebrick with a hole. Today, we would consider that kind of thing a paranormal object. There's no way to create a red-hot hole with a firebrick because it's not flammable. So that's what I had done. That was my career. I've been in laser. I was a laser pioneer. I was working with lasers many years before there were any lasers. So this was the outgrowth of my earliest studies in graduate school. So the question that uh, led to my recent book, I wrote a book with a provocative subtitle, A Physicist's Proof of Psychic Abilities. And the idea is that proof is evidence so strong that you can't statistically or reasonably deny it. That's what we mean by proof. You can't prove scientific things in the laboratory the way you prove mathematical theorems. You prove things in the laboratory by piling up so much evidence that is simply unreasonable to deny it. So here we are in our laboratory, 1973. There's Pat Price in the middle. Pat Price was one of our great, great psychics. He was police commissioner at Burbank and retired. He's playing here with an ESP teaching machine that was the basis of our first NASA program. My idea was, can you offer feedback and reinforcement and help people improve their psychic ability with a little random game where you have to guess which picture will be illuminated? The answer is yes, you can learn. And the great good news for you today is that game is now available as a free application for your iPhone. So, So I posted that as a little gift. It's called ESP Trainer, and you can just download it and have it on your iPhone. It'll ring a bell when you get the right answer and show you a pretty picture. So that's Pat Price. Price was an extraordinary psychic. He lived in a psychic bubble. He was an inspiration for me as to what ESP looks like in an evolved person. We were once called by the Berkeley Police Department where Patricia Hearst was kidnapped. And they said, we're so desperate, can you help us with your ESP program? shows how desperate they were. And Pat Price and Hal put off, and I drove to Berkeley, and Price said, let's see your mug book. He's a no-nonsense guy. had been in lots of police station. I want to see the picture book with all the usual suspects. He turned the page, page after page, and said, that's the guy. That's the ringleader. And he put his finger on Donald DeVries, who was indeed the ringleader. It's extraordinary. But they learned that only two weeks later. The police said, well, can you tell us something right now that will help us? And Price said, would you like to know where the kidnap car is? And he said, you're kidding. He said, well, so if you drive about 50 miles north on Bayshore Free on Highway 101, the kidnap car is a white station wagon. It's on the right, parked by a diner across from two large white gas storage cylinders and the pedestrian overpass across the freeway. And one of the detectives said, well, I know where that is. That's on my way to my home in Vallejo. 20 minutes later, they had found the car, and there are still cartridges rolling around on the floor of the car. That's as close to magic as I've ever seen in my 20 years in the laboratory. And (laughs) the other folks there are Bob Monroe, who wrote about journeys out of the body, how to go from remote viewing to an out-of-body experience. But that's outside our schedule for today. And I'm on the right 40 years ago. And what that shows is that if you live long enough, you get to do a lot of interesting things. (laughs) So this is the first in a series of experiments we did over a course of a decade. And it's basically what convinced the CIA to give us money. That is is what we played is a kind of psychic hide and go seek. And all the pictures I'm going to show you are like this. So I won't uh, reiterate. The way it works is Pat Price or the psychic of the day is in a shielded room, electrically shielded room with me. And Hal randomly is, is sent to an undisclosed location, random target picked by the lab director. He generally will go with the colonel from the army or our lab director or our contract monitor. In this case, they went to a swimming pool complex called Rinconada Park. Price with me said, I see a water purification plant I see a square pool, 65 by 80, and a round pool, 100 feet in diameter, and two water storage tanks. That's what I see. And that's what he drew on the right. Actually they had gone to the swimming pool complex, and when we got there, for feedback after the experiment, we saw the swimming pool is really 110 feet in diameter, and the rectangular pool is 75 by 100. So viewed from five miles away, he had the dimensions architecturally correct to 90%. Now, he had added in these two water tanks, which are on the right side of the picture, which are not at the location, and it's not a water purification plant, it's a swimming pool. However, and that's a story I would tell up to about 10 years ago, when the city of Palo Alto sent us a picture book showing what the city used to be like 75 and 100 years ago. Seventy-five years, the psychic ones know all the, what the answer is going to be already. Seventy-five years ago, this was a water purification plant, and the tallest thing in the city of Palo Alto were the two water tanks I show at the top, Then Price drew at the left. So what he apparently did is move his awareness five miles south on Middlefield Road and describe the park where the guys were hiding, and then moved his the awareness 75 years back, to describe the biggest thing in the city. Off my schedule, I got to tell you, he also described a National Security Agency code facility in Virginia. And he described that and was able to read the file folders. And people wanted to know, why did you pick this to read? And he said, well, the more in psychic space, the more you hide something, the brighter it shines. So let that be warning to anybody who's having an affair. <laughs> so the demonstration of ability test that we had from the CIA, uh, John McMahon, who's head of the CIA, said to us, you guys are wasting your time looking at swimming pools and churches. We have targets that would be of national security now, help. Can you describe a target, and I'll send you the coordinates so price and i climbed back into our little shielded phone booth and he said well i'm psychically laying on a building and a giant crane is rolling back and forth over my body this is a huge crane it has eight wheels four on either side of the building and in this building they're constructing a 60-foot steel sphere and they're welding it together that all turned out to be entirely true in fact it was so true that after the steel sphere was verified, we then had a congressional investigation called by the House Intelligence Oversight Committee to see if there had been a security leak. This in the spirit of no good deed goes unpunished. But, uh, But the Congress eventually said what we're doing is okay." We were supported by CIA and Defense Intelligence Agency and told to press on. And we pressed on for another 15 years. Another experiment that I'll show you because it's of the particular interest to me is that Hal put off, then went to travel. I was the interviewer through all of these. I, my vision's very poor, as you probably caught on, so I don't drive. And Hal was always the outbound person, and I was a stay-at-home psychic travel agent working with the person, working with the person trying to elicit a description of the distant place. So this time, Hal was on a business and pleasure trip to Columbia, South America. And each day, Price sitting with me would describe, oh, I see a church, I see a volcano, there's a harbor, there's a market. And on day five, he didn't show up. So in the spirit that the show must go on, I said, well, I'll describe it. I've never done a remote viewing be- before, but I'd interviewed countless, countless psychics and other visitors, so I knew the, I knew the moves. So I said, well, this is Russ Targ, remote viewing with Pat Price. Price isn't here. When I close my eyes, I see something that looks like an airport on an island. There's ocean at the end of the runway. There's sand and grass on the right. There's an airport building on the left. That's what I get. And that's where he was. He was on an island airport off the coast of Colombia called San Andreas, my great coincidence of the day, as I was driving here, I was talking to the cab driver. He was from, from San Andreas and gave me a f- color photograph of the airport on the island. How that? This is my lucky day. I don't, I don't claim that's ESP. That, that's what you call a lucky day. Uh, I finally escaped from the laboratory and got to travel cross country, and two other people were psychically tracking me. The first place I went was New Orleans. And no one knew, of course, where I was. And I chose my target by throwing a die on the pavement. And the die uh, sent me to the New Orleans Superdome. So I was sitting and standing in front of the Superdome recording my coordinates. This is noon. This is Russell Targ. I'm standing in front of the Superdome. It looks like a flying saucer shining in the sun. Bad thing to say. Back in the laboratory. My friend, another physicist, Gary Langford, very psychic, straight-up physicist, was working with Elizabeth Rauscher, who interviewed him. She's another physicist. All these people are professional physicists interested in the psychic stuff. Gary said, well, I have a clear picture of a circular building. It looks like a giant UFO. Do you think Russell's been abducted? (laughs) So Elizabeth said, just tell me what you see. Make a drawing. And of course, his drawing was a remarkably accurate. This was his also first remote viewing. Gary just got, came in and said, well, I, I've been doing this all my life, avocationally. That's how I was an analyst, looking at photo analysts, looking at specs of buildings and describing what's inside. So he was experienced to look at fuzzy images. Uh, but here we just took away the image, but it didn't interfere with his ability at all. Our great pleasure was then to have the army intelligence ask us to train, to, to set up a psychic army corps, something like the, in the men who stare at goats, but not quite. We didn't know goats were killed in our program. Uh, but we chose six army officers to work with us from a big, big group that we interviewed, Hal and I interviewed. One of those was Joe McMonagall. Joe is still alive and is probably the greatest living psychic today, prodigious psychic. And his first trial, sitting with me, what's this remote viewing stuff? Uh, All of these people are are basically tough army officers showed up in their boots and leather jackets and their patches and their backpacks. What's this psychic stuff? What do you want me to do? Betting their careers that this is a new, interesting uh, juncture for them. So I describe remote viewing as I always do I've been doing workshops now for 20 years my my ritual the shibboleth is close your eyes quiet your mind and describe the surprising pictures that look in your that appear in your awareness don't try and name it don't try and guess just describe the surprising images and that language was understood 1200 years ago and appears in Patanjali's guide Self-liberation for seeing with naked awareness. If you want to move from suffering and conditioned awareness to freedom and naked awareness, sit down and shut up, and quiet your mind. Stop naming, stop guessing, and you're on your way. So that's what I'm still te- still telling uh, people following the 1,200-year-old guidebook as a author. It's very nice for me to see a book still in print 1,200 years later. It gives gives me courage that my books will be around. (laughs) So Joe drew this picture. He said, I there, at he and his colonel. His colonel went with Hal off. And Joe said, I see a building with stripes in front and a long portion behind a little fountain. He drew what was there. And of course, the judges had no problem matching that. With our six army officers that I'll describe later, these six people who had never done this before, I had them each do six trials a week, and we had each one, so we had 30 for six weeks, so we had 36 trials. You'd expect them to get six first place matches by chance. We had 19 first place matches, and they set up the Psychic Army Corps and ran another 15 years. They had 30 people on the East Coast Working in tandem with the SRI group. So, this is Hella Hammond. The funny story with her Hella's my dear friend for two decades before the SRI program. And they said, Well, uh, Pat Price is a fantastic psychic. Ingo Swan is the one who taught us how to do remote viewing. We want to see what a control person is. CIA said, What, what does an ordinary person do? Well, Hella's not exactly ordinary. She's a woman of the world, speaks many languages, professional photographer. But she thought it would be very amusing uh, to be hired as a psychic of the various things that she had done in her life. So she came to work with us. The bottom line is she became the most proficient and most reliable person in the program for the decade, our control subject. Her first trial with me. As you catch on now, we're sitting in a shielded room. Hella says, when I close my eyes, what comes into my view is squares within squares within squares. That's what Hal Putoff sees, and he was at a pedestrian overpass. Hella's nine trials were even more significant than Pat Price's nine trials. In Price's, the judge guessed seven of them first place match. What that means is that if Hal Putoff had been separated, had been kidnapped, Nine nine times in a row, Price would have found him seven out of the nine times the first place he looked. Very remarkable. So here's Hella Hammond and Ingo Swan. Ingo taught us all how to do remote viewing. The way it worked is that Ingo taught Hal and me how to do remote viewing. Hal and I taught the six army officers. The army officers taught the world. So if you look at Google right now, we're still up on Google and search for remote viewing, you'll find more than two million pages dealing with remote viewing, operational things to do with remote viewing. Two million pages is quite a lot of pages for something that many people don't think exists.
3: <laughs>
5: so at the end of the decade, reason for showing this is people get better in remote viewing. There's no decline effect. So at the end of the decade, we're still doing experiments with Hella. Who's a kind of technophobe? She can change the batteries in her light meter, but she's a non-technical person. She th- finds physicists very amusing in their unworldly ways. But, but in this experiment, uh, we gave her the coordinates for this in, lat- in binary form. Someone was concerned that maybe she'd memorize the globe, so we gave her the coordinates: one zero zero one one 1, one zero west. One wants something north. She said, "Well, that's a pretty pattern. Uh, what comes to mind is a belly button-shaped energy expander." This is a, this is your your photographer, your artist belly button. The target is the Berkeley Bevatron, which is indeed a energy expander. And she drew this middle drawing with the four beam tubes coming out of it, going to a target building, and the belly button shape is the Bevatron, and the picture from the laboratory is shown on the left now I've been looking at this picture for a decade and it occurred to me as I'm writing my current book that my opinion see everything I told you up to now is true my opinion on this picture is that she wasn't actually looking at the site which is a big mass of concrete and steel but she was looking 10 minutes ahead at her feedback picture because her drawing is anomalously accurate to the picture that we showed her at a later time. So she was really cheating here. She wasn't, look- she wasn't looking at the Berkeley bevatron. Instead, she just looked ahead a few minutes to see what we were going to show her for feedback. <laughs> and during that process, she said, this is such a complicated thing. I can't grasp it. I want to make it out of clay. So this is her clay model of the bevatron with the hole in it with a circular particle beam four beam tubes the target building 50 miles to the north she absolutely had never seen a bevatron before and of course the people interviewing her had no idea what the target was so how do we evaluate these things the effect size is a measure of the power of the experiment you're doing not necessarily the statistical significance you can inflate your statistics by doing millions and millions of trials. The effect size takes out the fact that you've done millions of trials and says, how powerful is this experiment? So the idea of proof is that when the government was doing tests, the NIH was doing tests to see if aspirin helped men avoid heart attacks, they did this experiment. And eventually, the thing had such a large effect size, they stopped the experiment. Because they didn't want to deprive the poor controls of the benefit of the aspirin. Got it? The effect size was so high, they stopped the experiment. The effect size got all the way up to 0.06. And here's the NIH report where the effect size is 0.06 standard deviations. All of our experiments exceed that by a factor of 10. So if the NIH thinks that the, this is my little argument for proof. If the, if the NIH, thinks that they have proven that all of you should be taking aspirin, and the experiment is so strong, you got to stop it and give aspirin to the poor controls. That's what they mean by proof. Stop the experiment, it's proven. Our effect size is 10 times what they had. So in our experiments we did with Pat Price, were significant at odds of almost one in a million, more than that one in 100,000, his effect size was more than 10 times the NIH. So this by itself is an experiment more than one in a hundred thousand. In Hella Hammond's experiments, it was even more significant than Pat Price's experiments, even though she was a control subject. The Army people, which is sort of my pride and joy in that we just brought in six guys, taught them to do remote viewing, and they did astonishingly well. Effect size, again, 10 times the uh, aspirin experiment. And I was working with the army people that led me on a career of doing workshopping for the past decade, traveling around, just teaching people to do remote viewing. On Google, you will find many, many people teaching you to do remote viewing. They all can teach you to do remote viewing. Remote viewing is easy to do. I have a chapter in my book where it describes if you work with a friend, you can quickly both become psychic. Remote viewing is a natural ability. You don't have to eat porridge at the feet of your guru or pay anybody thousands of dollars. This is a natural ability, like vision or hearing. Psychic abilities are not sacred. They're abilities. They allow you to experience all kinds of remarkable things. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But here are all these guys, highly psychic. At the end of our program, right after I left, I formed a little organization called Delphi Associates. We were using remote viewing to forecast silver futures, working with an experienced remote viewer. We did nine forecasts, whether silver is going to go up a little, up a lot, down a little, down a lot. All nine forecasts were correct. We made $120,000, which is a lot of money in the 1980s. And we're on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, BBC Horizon, Nova made a film about us. In the 1980s, ESP still existed, (laughs) and there are now many, many organizations and groups of people using this associative remote viewing, which is invented by my friend Steven Schwartz. It's a way of, even though you can't read psychically, it's a way of making substitute items for what you want to know. I can't explain that. You have to read my book, has a chapter on associated remote viewing, which is an easy guide to investing in the market. You do not have to give away your mind to be psychic. That's not required. You can be discerning and be psychic. I recommend that. So you have to decide now. I've given you a sample of what we did during the first decade of SRI. We did experiments. For the government, we did operational things, finding all sorts of, we even looked in on the American hostages in Iran, and described that one was going to be evacuated because of illness. So you have to decide, is the statistical evidence from our experiments at SRI strong enough to make you think that something like ESP really exists, exists? Or do you think it was just our lucky day and we were successful in fooling the American intelligence establishment for 23 years and lived to tell the tale. So you you get to decide which of those is more likely. Now, you can use remote viewing these days to find your car keys. We just had an example of using remote viewing and not finding the car keys, and that happens also. Or You can find a parking place, even in Los Angeles, and we were exemplary successful doing that yesterday. So you can find your car keys, find a parking place. You can make money in the stock market. And my opinion is that the most important thing you can do with remote viewing is discover who you are. Now, it's important for me to tell you that remote viewing is not a spiritual path. But if you learn to quiet your mind and move your awareness into timeless awareness, you are likely to begin to experience things that surprise you, give you another view of reality. For example, if you look in the mirror in the morning and think that who you see in that mirror is who you really are, you're in for a lot of suffering, in my experience. My opinion is that who you really are is non-local awareness, independent of space and time. You are that awareness that allows you to move your experience, to move your consciousness, to move your perception anywhere in the world, independent of space and time. And this was described in great detail, as I mentioned, by the great Buddhist teacher Padmasambhava in the 8th century where he said you have to give up your desire to name things and grasp onto them and guess what they are because in the universe it's really empty of names, as you may have noticed. But you can give up your desire to defend your ego and what it says on your business card in conditioned awareness And if you think that you may not be made entirely of meat and potatoes, then you can move your awareness into naked awareness, experience the universe as it is, and find a uh, transcendent way to experience uh, the world. My invitation for you is to explore this transcendent place. And then as a scientist, next year, you can come back and tell us what you experienced. Thank you.
0: Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Are you there? Hello. I thoroughly,
3: I thoroughly enjoyed, it. enjoyed
0: it. He's, He's funny. funny. Yeah. <laughs>
5: yeah.
2: Yeah, I was, sorry, I was in the, um, yeah. um, the 70s, 70s by side people that, well, that worked for, work for the police stations and things like that. And they had to give it up because there was so much drain of expectations and how would we know when we're seeing a veil of a different time frame I mean come on he was seen before during and now you know <laughs> and phew, that's so cool should be heard by everybody it was a good video on end
0: I thought he covered I, the, it, it was just like a perfect explanation in 32 minutes or whatever it was of what remote viewing is and one of the key things that I think he said was that this is not a spiritual journey when you're dealing with remote viewing it's a just a talent you know an ability that we carry it's just a matter of developing the skills to be able to use that ability right and
4: the first thing you go ahead Walt no I was thinking of uh he in, in any in at no time did he ever give any words of warning of be careful what you're looking at because the thought that came to mind is that uh all the capabilities of these people incredibly sharp incredibly percep per perceiving perceptive perceptive all the things okay where they it, the thought came to mind were they, pri- prior to doing what they were detecting, were they warned of what to not look at, avoid looking at? Because look, having heard everything that they've, the, all the work they've done, uh, then how, they, I mean, how, okay, how I
0: can I, I, I can answer that because... When he was talking, he was talking about the um, connection to the military and the military getting aboard this. Um, I met people from that group, one of the two, I don't know which one. I met somebody from that group. And this was after I'd gotten out of the army, it was like a year later. I met this psychiatrist, psychologist that was also uh involved in psychic and paranormal phenomena and it turns out that he was one of the people in that organization and when i first met him within an instant we were doing telepathic communication and so he said to me at one point because we had this friend of mine there and you know she was they were just friends and uh so he said to me, um, he said out loud, actually, we were talking, but in our heads. He said, um, how do you put it? He said, um, he, well, he st- he stopped. He stopped what was happening. And he said, you need, we need to make a, a, another appointment. So we made another appointment where she wasn't there. And then when, when I got there, he began to test me. And, you know, he'd show me a picture. He'd show me a drawing. And, You know, what is this? And it was all technical stuff. It was, you know, stuff that you, equipment mainly, that you uh, get involved with when you're doing electronic warfare, which is what I was doing. And, well, it wasn't just that. (laughs) But anyway, so he picked up and he he actually said to me um, that you're the the, the most, he, he, he said, you're the best remote viewer I've ever even met. He said, what you're you're demonstrating is is beyond what I know. And so then he said, "Um, we have something that we're desperately trying to find out what it is. Would you be willing to take a look at it? And so I said, yeah. And he pulls out this this drawing kind of thing. And I looked at it and I said, I have no clue as to what that is. I don't know what that is. And he said, well, would you do a remote view on it? And... uh, I said, I haven't done that, you know, in a couple of years now. I just haven't done it. And it would take me some time. But, yeah, I'll give it a try if you want. Now, the reason I'm telling you this long story is because what happened, Walt, was that when I tried to remote view, I got the the SWAT stickers. I was filled with fear. And I've told this story many times. But in regard to the question you were having, when I went back and told him what had happened to me, he said, "Yes, that's what's happening to our remote viewers." But he seemed it seemed like this has not happened before. It was something new. So, my suspicion is is that a lot of the work that they were doing may have been going under the radar it wasn't But especially when they appeared before Congress, all of a sudden the dark side would have realized that our opposition was getting heavy into, you know, paranormal, you know, the psychic stuff. That the science was beginning to show its its head. And I think at that, at that was the time that they upped their game and started um, essentially putting up protection against remote viewers. So that whenever you you just have other psychics that would just sit around playing cards until they felt an energy field starting to come in. And then they would absolutely think in their mind something that would scare the bejeebies out of the people. Because all the remote viewers, including myself, were having the same experience. And that was their protection. Now, I'm pretty sure that when you are not supposed to be in an area it's not a bunch of psychics hanging out it's probably some electromagnetic uh equivalent let's put it that way so to answer your question i i think that they didn't initially i don't think they were initially being
4: bothered let me put it to you that way does that makes sense yeah yes it does because it 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 made me wonder okay without with, with uh, if for. This has been going on for decades. How come no one did, no one detected? No one found out the th- thousands and thousands of children that were abducted were being exploited. Their blood being drawn out of their bodies. I mean, somebody must have detected because the psychic pain. That's another thing is that these entities or these negative people they fed. They actually fed on the on the bad, negative, uh, psychic uh, pain and torture of these children. And no one's detecting it? There must have been some protecting it. Well, that's like if you've, never,
2: if you've never had stroke enough, do you know if you like it or not? And if it's put in front of you, will you try it without questioning? I mean, you know, that kind of thing. They, we only know what we preconceived or what we believed well,
4: Pain is a very, uh, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get more basic than, than energy goes. I mean, you, pain is the first thing you feel coming out of, of the wound because of the way it, we've been raised. So the, I, I, I don't put it past. Uh, let, let, me, let me put it to you this
0: way. It, it, I, I assume that you're absolutely correct. These people, first off, uh, their, their minds wouldn't have kind of accepted that information. Even if they saw it, they would have. it would have probably dropped them right out of a remote. I can tell you that for a fact. Like the
2: neighbors said um, didn't see the Spaniards coming, but the exactly. ship was there.
0: Exactly. Um, so you might have that involved in it. But the other thing is, is even if they saw it and reported it, do you think it would have been reported up the chain of command? Probably not. Even today, you know, 30 years later, or back when we first started hearing about you know, the pedophilia and all, you know, let's say 30 30 years later, they still didn't want to talk about it. People don't want to talk about it. And, uh, you know, so that could be in it, too. So it's not, just because you're not hearing them talk about it doesn't mean they may probably saw it.
2: Yeah, look how long (laughs) it took the Catholic Church to bring it up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I told a story about, you know, that my father knew about these kind of people were in the church uh, the priest the the reason my father knew that this chaperone so called chaperone that was supposed to go with these kids to Ireland and my sister being one of them um, that the priest who was the head of the church there he said to my father one day so and so will become a priest over my dead body and um, you know, so they knew people knew, but they just nobody would talk about it. Thank god we got a bunch of loudmouths here and having the internet to be able to talk to each other, <laughs>
3: <laughs> you
0: yeah. know. So, um, yeah, so I hope that is instructive to people. You know, all you have to do is practice and. Just imagine different things
2: well it's letting go and not choosing is what it is because once you put a focused direct on something you manifest it as such doesn't mean it came as that way
0: well when when you're doing remote viewing correctly you're basically looking at a television you just disconnect your you know your mind from you know what's happening you're just watching it you're the observer you have to be the observer to see it clear if you begin to to do the thing like oh maybe that's that or maybe that's that that's why when I did the remote viewing exercise that we did years ago I picked Coral Castle because I knew that very few people would know what it was and so they their minds wouldn't get engaged in what it could be plus it was so unique that it didn't—it wasn't similar to anything else, except in Walt's mind, it was the Giza Plateau, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But um, because I knew, I know what happens when you're when you're doing these things.
2: But it makes and, you wonder because the Giza Plateau basically probably used the same coned instruments to be able to live the tonne- lift the tonnage for the pyramids. I mean, the shell a castle is an amazing feat that people just really don't know that this one man used two cones of vibrational energy and built this phenomenon that is. Um,
4: uh, I took it with him
2: mechanically, where we could not. Um, what do you call it? Replicate it,
4: right? Yeah, because they're looking at the the remains, but nobody knows how it worked.
2: Well, there's stories that he had cones that were energetically able to lift the tonnage and he could directly put it in its place. And I don't doubt that because otherwise humans could not have built the pyramids. Come on, the way that they say that it is, that's bull caca. I mean, we've been so many storied and lied to. You can't believe any of it. <laughs> In my world, anyway. But yeah, usually when I know to not get direct with it, because once you get direct with it, it's like I used to have like these seals go through my third eye, and I'm standing there, and then I went to focus on them, and so they went away. But subliminally or subconsciously, they were probably inputting something into my brain. And I should have just left it the heck alone. (laughs) But no, I got curious. I wanted to write some of them down, you know. So I lost all implementation of whatever that dimensional level I was going at, or through, or with, or because of, whatever. You catch what I'm saying?
0: yeah but maybe you weren't ready, <laughs> you know if you're not ready, you can get lost in it,
2: yeah, but I wasn't doing it with intent to have it happen. It came on by its own being,
0: yeah yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, that's the way it works all of a sudden, you find yourself in a place that you go like, what's happening
3: right and then right. You,
0: and then you have to um step back and not. You asked the question, now step back and watch the answer come through. Instead of trying to engage your mind in it.
2: I was potting up cactus honey. I wasn't thinking about any question. It was just hundreds at a
0: time. You were open, you were meditative. When you get into that kind of thing, you're you're meditative. So you're open to an experience. And uh, like I said, no, I'm talking, I'm saying that you didn't... I'm saying that when it starts to happen, ask yourself, ask the universe, what's that all about? But then stand back. Don't engage in thinking. Is could it be this? Could it be that? Just stand back and observe what's happening, because that that's how you get the answers. If you ask the question, the universe will uh, is so malleable that it begins. To, it proceeds to tell you the answer. That's why you get a lot of synchronicities happening, you know, when you're kind of engaged in that kind of energy.
6: Mm -hmm. And,
0: you know, I could spend a show talking about the synchronicities that have happened in like the last two weeks. They're getting faster and faster, which is an indication to me that we are beginning to get more powerful in our ability to to essentially affect our own reality around us by asking questions and then looking for the... You don't even look. You just let it happen, and you'll get the answer. Right. Jan Shaw and I, for some reason, were talking about Patty Hearst. Only neither one of us initially could get the name. And we got, I don't know, Patricia... I think we, we finally got to it, but I still wasn't sure it was the name. And then, you know, today, I'm listening to this particular audio, and he says patty hurst and i went okay so we did you know i was spelling it h-u-r in my head and it's h-e-r um but it's it's like that's the way that these little sometimes you don't even know you asked the question Mm. and you know in a meditative state you may have asked a question that opened the door for an experience to give you the answer that was you know I mean, I've had experiences where they were answering the question. I I just got freaked out by the answer and like, no, I don't want to hear this <laughs> in one way or another. But uh, we're getting down to the last three minutes here. Um, you guys want to comment on anything that's happened? How about you, Dolly? You've been quiet for a while.
1: I, I heard, I think it was yesterday, that Tina Turner died again. Yeah. Do you remember when she died the first time? No. No. Oh. Well, I do. Huh. She was 83 years old. Hmm. Interesting. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, I'm glad Jan's home uh, in Britain safely. And um, don't forget love blankets, please. To everybody. Mother Earth, the universe beings Don't forget love blankets With uh, Whatever else is needed by the Individuals receiving them, thank you I'm done
2: The sparkle of joy
0: (laughs) Mona, why don't you tell People how they can listen to you On uh, Freedom Slips It's freedomslips.net Or org now
2: Oh, It's an org But it's Radio. Yeah Yeah Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. EST, Studio B.
3: There you go. And
2: and all I'm doing is yelling at the video.
4: Yelling at the video?
2: Well, the video
0: says something. I'm like, are you sure
2: about that? Yeah, Yeah,
4: yelling at the video. Oh, so you're
0: playing videos, but you're talking to the video as you're playing it? That's funny. All
3: right, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, that's a good time. (laughs)
4: <laughs> and walt what have you been up to oh nothing much just uh enjoying the 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 weather now that we have uh nice sunny days uh i did the, the experiment that uh jasmine told us about but i didn't get any any positive results so we'll see oh i don't know
0: Anyway, we don't have time to talk about it. I thank you all for being here. The next show will be the Say What Show Tuesday, and that's noon, Eastern time. And have a really good memorial holiday with your, you know, friends and family. But don't forget why we're having it. You know, this is an amazing country. And...
3: And
4: You know, I need to say something is that all the people that gave their lives so that you you can have the, the freedom, I mean, wouldn't you be offended considering the way things are going? I mean, I would be offended uh, after after all that they went through. This bull crap is happening right now.
1: That's yes. Show. Don't forget healing blankets for Jake, please.
3: No, I, agree, I, agree I agree
0: with you. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for being here.
6: Say what? Say
0: what radio show? With no agenda. It's always a surprise. But if we're not having fun, we're doing
3: something wrong.